Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, and I appreciate you being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or contact me directly, michael at bullrealty.com. Well, today we're going to talk about debt financing. You know, it's been uh, some big changes going on, obviously, in the debt world. We're going to have a lot of maturities coming up, then uh, uh, borrowers, uh, property owners are going to have to pay higher rates. Well, what's going on with loan-to-value ratios? What's going on with underwriting? What might we expect for distress coming from some of this? What about negative leverage? Are people doing it? How's it working? Well, I have an expert here for you today. Please welcome Tom Walsh, and he's with Grandbridge, and he speaks on the mortgage market, uh, debt market, uh, for many years around the around the country and around Atlanta, and I've always enjoyed hearing you speak. And I kind of want to start there. I mean, you've been in this business for what thirty nine years, years yeah. and you know, a, a lot of folks, even in my shop, have only been in business like ten years, and it's like and they've seen these incredibly low rates. How do rates today really kind of stack up when you think of kind of historically what rates are have been uh, from a historical perspective? Mm-hmm. Rates are kind of in the normal range right now. Uh, historically, rates that start with five fives or sixes are relatively normal. We got very, very spoiled over the last two to three years where, where rates that started with a three were the norm. And uh, people, can, you can get used to that very quickly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that be, kind of yeah. becomes your norm. But, but if you look over, over history, where we are right now is, is fairly typical. Um, where what's different today uh, is the relationship between those rates and the cap rates that, that the property's valued at. That is an unprecedented relationship right now. And in some cases, especially if you look at multifamily or industrial, we're seeing interest rate constants that are 300 basis points higher than the cap rates wow. on properties. Uh, that's that's the definition of negative leverage is, is your debt constant higher than your cap rate. And it's even if it's only 25 basis points, that's considered negative leverage. And what, what that means generally is, is leverage uh, is not enhancing your returns. It is it, it has a negative impact on your returns. The more the more money you borrow, the, the less your return is on your equity. Right. And, and right now, that is so negative uh, that we're seeing it certainly impacting things. However, uh, it's not eliminated transactions. And, and, it doesn't, it, and it doesn't imply that, that a deal, because you do a deal with negative leverage, doesn't imply it's a bad deal right. at all. Because there are certainly other factors that are going on in, in how you evaluate the long-term feasibility of a deal. But this level of, of, of negative with leverage is, in, in my career, unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I had uh, been in business, I've been in business for a long time, and I remember when we got 12% interest rates, we're like, excited, wow, that's so great. <laughs> it's like, and then I've had negative leverage uh, on, on properties that I've owned that I did really well on. It's like, do we, we need to remember those days that we're not just buying it for 
the next 12 months. And, and again, to your point, negative leverage doesn't mean it's negative cash flow either. No, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that. And, and yeah. negative leverage could, could almost imply some in some cases that maybe you're getting a better deal because negative leverage impacts valuations. And it might take, it, there might be a delay until it does, but it certainly does impact valuations. Right. And we're starting to see in some segments right now, valuations starting to drop. I'm sure you're seeing that in your business. And, and, and so that negative leverage, the existence of the negative leverage might be allowing you to get something at a better price than you otherwise would. Yeah. So, so it's not all bad. Right. Um, but yeah, obviously there's maybe yeah. less buyer competition, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and, and you're potentially getting it at a lower price per square foot. Sure. Um, sure. So like I, I know I own some properties I've owned for a very long time. And the fact that I what interest rates I got on them at the time almost doesn't matter at this point. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's the relationship between your rate and your cash flow. Right. What happened yesterday right. doesn't really count. Right. All, all right. So. And, you know, where are we on loan to value ratios and underwriting today compared to come historically and then prior sure. to the, this big increase? Sure. Uh, the underwriting today, in almost all cases, is debt coverage driven, uh, or debt yield driven, depending on what your lender type is, and and that is a that that is a change from what we've experienced in recent years, where rates were so low, debt coverage just took care of itself. Right. You did, I mean, you calculated, but you knew it was going to be high. You weren't really worried about it at all. Yeah. With the switch in rates now. Um, Debt coverage is now what everyone is using. And you know, depending on your property type, your lender, or whatnot, it's going to be a minimum of 125, maybe it's 135, could be 15, you know, but it's in that range there as far as the lowest you can go. And today, in, in the more favorable your property type, the lower your loan to value is going to be because the more favorable property types have lower cap rates. Right. So sometimes it, today we'll calculate a one two five debt cover on a deal using very ABC easy underwriting on a deal, and that might translate to fifty five percent loan. Mm-hmm. You get a really high end apartment deal, it might translate to forty eight percent loan, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's an interesting situation. Uh, in that, in another one, we really haven't seen where 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 a fifty percent down payment. It's not just a good thing; it's required by your underwriting, right. and that's that's taken some getting used to over the last 12, yeah. 18 months for people. Yeah. But that's that's kind of the norm right now. The the oddly enough, the the uh, what we might call the lesser desirable property types, as you move down the scale, because the cap rates are higher for those, you might actually be able to borrow a little more money. On those, right. which see, seems very counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, yeah. I, I should be able to borrow more money on a retail property right. than on a multifamily property. Right. But it's a math. You know, the math is is indicating that in a lot of cases today. Yeah. Like you said, it's the debt coverage ratio yes. that, yes. that the lenders concerned about. And speaking of lenders, uh, the various types of lenders like life insurance, Fannie, Franny, you know, banks. Who's who's active where? Because we're hearing that some lenders are like, eh, we're holding off a little bit. Sure, sure, that's out there. Um, you know, Fannie, Freddie, and HUD mm-hmm. are are going like normal. I would say uh, they're, they they both are going to go into 2023 with big appetites, and and, and we're looking to do, we'll be looking to do a significant amount of business. Fannie and Freddie uh, will be as they have been the last few years, still focused primarily 
on properties that have an affordable rents. And that doesn't have to be like it has tax credits and, and, uh, and rent restrictions. It can just be a property that, that by nature of where it's located gives you relatively affordable housing in that market. They'll, fo- they'll focus on that. They'll, they'll end up probably doing about 50% of their business in that affordable space and then 50% of what we call market rate. Um, but they'll, they'll both have big appetites going into the year. And HUD, HUD is very, very consistent in that. They, um, they, 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 they speed up and slow down based on time frame of processing, but their appetite is very consistent. Life insurance companies uh, right now, uh, it's kind of a, it's, it's fairly binary right now. You have people who are in the market like they normally are. You have people that are either very, very slow or out of the market. Sometimes, sometimes because of what's going on in the real estate market and they're trying to take a wait and see approach, a lot of that on the life company side is they did so much business in the first half of 2022, a lot of them go on allocations. Right. And they used up so much of their allocations in the first part of, the, of, of this year that they're kind of on the sidelines. Now, the lenders in that situation, though, um, they should be ready to go as, when January 1st gets here as far as closings. Right. Um, on the CMBS side, uh, things are just slow on CMBS. The, the the rates there are higher than the rates are where you would find in life insurance companies, banks, Fannie, Freddie. So it's hard to get deals to work there. Uh, their floating rate deals all require uh, uh, a, 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 a debt service uh, cap or interest rate cap. And, and those are very expensive right now because of volatility in the market right now. So that, that business is slow without, without a doubt. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the CMBS deals that get done these days are what we call SASBs, which is single asset or single borrower. It's not, it's not the old fashioned, I do 25 loans and make them into a pool type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'll do one, one borrower's portfolio or I'll do a office building in Manhattan for $500 million and will securitize that one loan. That That's a lot of what CMBS is doing now. Uh, on the debt fund side, the little bit of a similar CMBS thing, the, the, the interest rate market with SOFR sitting as high as it is right now, a, a lot of your, even, even what you would call a favorable spread on a bridge loan could put your note rate in the sevens easily, even into the eights in some mm-hmm. cases. So, Obviously, the demand for money at, at, at those rates has, has dropped significantly. Uh, you also have the interest rate cap costs involved with those that, that, that have gone up quite a bit. So they've slowed down quite a bit. It's still a viable product for someone who's doing a transition, whether whether it's a renovation or a retenanting or, or, or something along that line, but they have certainly slowed. Banks are... Banks, the bank situation is kind of interesting. There's been a noticeable slowdown in the large banks, the, the, the four money center banks and the super regionals, noticeable slowdown uh, in commercial real estate lending on purpose with that. Um, as to how that goes going into next year, I think that still remains to be seen. At the, at the local level, you know, the community bank level and the smaller banks, uh, we find a fair amount of them still active. Uh, if they can get the deals to work, that's the, the hard thing today. Is the is the is the is is the underwriting and getting a deal to work to the borrower's satisfaction. Yeah, well, it seems like a really good opportunity for some of those smaller banks to build relationships. Sure, sure, right, and maybe some of the safest loans uh, ever because the prices per square foot may be cheaper and well, the debt coverage ratio is strong. 
kind of harkens back, uh, you know, 2009 when we just started kind of coming off the bottom in the Great Recession. It was probably the best loans you'd ever make in your entire life, and hardly anybody was making loans. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. And let's let's talk about that for a minute. So, you know, um, how does the commercial real estate market sit in your mind, being with the experience level you have, and and also you know on the lending side, having seen the distress, and when you look at where we are today with commercial real estate, here we are at the end of November, beginning of December of 2022 you know you compare it to like 0809 it's 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 a different market today for yeah. sure uh and and I, I would say there's two main reasons for that uh, the supply and demand dynamics are totally different today than they were in let's call it 0607 which leading into the great recession we had too much of everything back then really almost across all product types and it was because money was cheap they were building stuff like crazy. You had CMBS money to aggressive, aggressive back-end loans that would get you out of construction loans. So there was a lot of stuff being done. Yeah. All right, today we don't have, we don't see that that um, misplacement of of supply and demand. Yeah. All right, and and that's a lot of that is because people have tempered themselves. Over over the last few years, and 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 that really harkens back to the Great Recession. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like, as you mentioned before, an analyst that who started his job in 2012, and he's seen 10 years of nothing but going like this. Yeah. You know, but but 2008 2009 is not that long ago. Right. So there's a lot of people in the in decision making spots in commercial real estate yeah. that remember that pretty well. Right. And so you've seen in in the last 10 years. Where prior to the, gate re- the Great Recession, everyone borrowed just about everything they could borrow, which means there were a lot of 75% loans, even in, in CMBS world, and there were some 80% loans done back then. You borrowed all the money someone would give you. Yeah. Coming out of the Great Recession, that was tempered. And, and to a lot of people, 65% became kind of the baseline. And occasionally even went under that. You know, if, if, if you had the right equity, you have enough equity, I'll, I'll borrow less because it's safer to right. borrow less. Right. And I, I think the combination of those two things, that, that, that there's not as much debt on commercial real estate as there was back then in relative terms, and the fact that the supply and demand, demand dynamics are, are more favorable today than they were before the Great Recession, those two things give me some confidence that this is clearly going to be a, a a a blip and a negative down period for us. I don't see it being remotely as bad as it was back then. Yeah, and that kind of leads into the next question. A lot of my listeners may have for you, Tom, is because uh, some uh, investors really look forward to uh, down markets and some seeing some distress. Do you expect some some distress, and where do you expect to see it? Um, I, I really kind of expect that 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 distress that gets to the point of uh, distress sales or foreclosures and resales, mm-hmm. I really kind of think it's going to be minimal. Mm-hmm. And, and and that goes back to why why I think commercial real estate is, is in a much better spot today than it was in 2008. You will find some distress. I, I think uh, like we did back then, I bet we overshoot it and, and we'll have hundreds of billions of dollars all at the at the starting really? line getting ready to buy yeah. all this distressed stuff right. and just like we did the last time yeah. and it never really manifested itself right. 
I suspect that'll be the case. I think you will have some distress in terms of certainly returns on your equity are going to be distressed. Right. You will probably have some people that get in a situation where they might need a little help from their lender, mm-hmm. might minor workouts and stuff. I do not envision that we're going to have a a, a tidal wave of foreclosures and resales. Yeah. Uh, and 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 distressed portfolio selling at, at big huge discounts like we've had before. Yeah, I, do, I don't see that. And it's I guess that's a little bit of my personal view of it. I don't see that coming. Yeah. Um, I, I, I you know historically recessions the way they work every other one has a negative impact on commercial real estate. Eighty nine ninety ninety one very very bad. Two thousand two thousand one very minimal. Great Recession, very, very bad. This one, if, if we go on that on, on that his, historical scale, this one should have a, a moderate negative impact on commercial real estate. And I think that's going to be the way it works. Yeah. Well, I like that. I'll hang my hat on that one. <laughs> <I like> that <laughs> one. And, you know, when you, again, looking at the potential distress and the differences between uh, the Great Recession and, and, and now, um, you also have replacement costs kind of enter into that as well, right? Well, I mean, you've seen just based on inflation and we what we've seen in the building business, and that goes even down to residential where the consumer sees it's so much more expensive to do something in your home. Well, that that that's kind of even a, to a larger degree in commercial real estate. So replacement cost is, is, so, is so much higher than it was 24 months ago, 36 months ago, that that your your values in relation to replacement cost are going to be pretty solid, really. Yeah. Um, so I think there'll be there'll be reasons why people will stick it out, will will keep their deals going, will if they have to put a little more equity in to keep a deal alive. I think they'll do that because in the overall scheme of things, the valuation that they have that property at is going to be a pretty favorable valuation. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. I'm seeing some prices per square foot per square foot on office. You know, I lead a team that sells office buildings around the country, and we're seeing prices per square foot in some cases so low that uh, you know you think about well, if we go through a couple of years of, of lower demand, and then there's less new supply starts mm-hmm. slacking off, um, and then the economy starts coming back, uh, there might be some really good buys out there. It, 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 it's not an instantaneous thing because. Yeah. Commercial real estate has such a lead time on it, but you will see the slowdown that we're in right now as far as new construction goes, which other than um, other than industrial and multifamily, very very little being built right now. It takes a, a while for that to kick in, but there'll come a time there where all, all of a sudden we're going to hit a gap with that nothing is going to come out of the, out of the ground right. for a while, and that can really be kind of almost a positive thing in some ways is it allows real estate to kind of reset and to kind of fix some of its issues right. uh, with that, um, stabilize, you know, you'll see occupancy stabilize a little bit. Um, so that's not necessarily a negative thing, but we certainly are going to see a slowdown of commercial real estate deliveries yeah. to the market. I would say if you go out 12 months from now, 18 months from now, I think it'll be a noticeable slowdown. Yeah. And and part of that taking that long is because if there's a loan involved, right? The, the lenders want to lenders view unfinished property as borderline valueless. Yeah. Um, the 
best case scenario for you to have the best possible resolution to your situation is to have that property completed. Right. So even though even though right now you you have an office building that's under construction, we've seen with COVID what happened with with office. You still have to finish it, right? You know, you can't, you don't, you don't stop at halfway because right. it literally has no value at that point. Right. So, so the lenders will keep their stuff going. They'll stop new stuff, but anything in the pipeline right now, they're going to take it to the end and finish it. That's, right. That's the. Oh, it's the only really way to do that. Yeah, unless you're 100 percent equity, right? And then 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 you, you can make that decision. <laughs> right. Know? I mean, you could slow it down and you could stop construction for two years yeah. if you're if you're dealing with just steel and concrete. You know, yeah. you could let it sit there until the market gets better. Any deal with a loan on it, though, that's very unlikely to happen. Yeah, makes sense. What do you, what's your expectations for rates moving forward? I think we're getting we're getting near the top. Uh, some of the stuff I've read recently has SOFR capping out in that like four seventy five, four eighty range around there, and and I think it's now approaching the low fours right now, uh, maybe four oh five or so. So. You know, maybe we got another seventy-five basis points of SOFR growth there. Uh, the Treasury, uh, the Treasury's really behaved fairly well recently. I mean, it, it, it you know, it was approaching. Like it was going to four and a half. It seemed not that long ago, and it's sitting sitting recently down in the three eighty range, or so. Where where some spreads um, for for some favorable property, there's some spreads that are really getting you loans now under six. On the certainly on the life insurance company side, and I think on the Fannie and Freddie side too, um, I think we probably still have some growth in the Treasury. Uh, I I don't think I I'd be really surprised if we saw a Treasury hit five. I think, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Treasury went back up into the fours mm-hmm. or so. But I, I I think I think we're closer to the end of this interest rate increase environment than we are to the beginning of it. Yeah, I'll hang my hat, my coat, I'll think <laughs> trousers, everything on that one there. <laughs> um, in the office world I'm in, selling portfolios and office buildings, uh, we're seeing a big surge in deals where we're doing CMBS assumptions. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that, any any tips related to that? Um, CMBS, assum- CMBS assumptions are not easy. No. Okay, that can be done. Those loans are assumable. Your your involvement of, of of the master servicer and the special servicer in that process, by nature, is going to make it choppy and not real fast. So, uh, the seller needs to understand if their buyer is going to assume their CMBS loan. It's not likely to happen really quickly. Um, it, it, it it seems counterintuitive in in that that it, that it might take longer. To do an assumption than it takes to do a, a new loan, which would, would seem like that is counterintuitive, but you don't have the master and the special in that process involved in doing a new loan like you do on, a, on an assumption. So be ready for that process to take a while. The assumability of debt right now is is a value for people. Any any loan made over the last thirty six months or so is, is going to have such a favorable rate on it compared to the rates today for new deals that people will do anything they can do to try to assume that debt. Yeah. Uh, where that hurts you is if that debt is too low in relation to the to the sales price. Right. If that debt, though, is getting up into the, say, 60% range or so of, of the sales price, I think they'll assume that debt and they'll bring equity to cover that gap because that yeah. debt is going to be way more favorable than anything you do today. Yeah, we're certainly seeing that. And yeah. to, to your point, we've, we've seen that as well where 
buyer and seller say, all right, we're going to do this. It's a CMS assumption. Let's do this deal. We'll close it in 60 days. Yeah. I'm like, guys, no. you're going to close it. It could be, it could be 160. <laughs> no. and we, we engage an expediter when we do it, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and that certainly helps. And, yeah, there are some good yeah. companies out there yeah. that, that have made a living yeah. off of knowing how to work that process. Yeah. And, uh, and if, if there's a time frame involved in it, it's probably a value to hire somebody like that to help you. Yeah, absolutely. We require it uh, in deals we're involved in. Uh, so if any of you guys want uh, uh, any referrals of expediters or any referrals for, for lenders or brokers or anything, you know, feel free to reach out to me. And before I let you go, you know, what, what tips would you uh, leave our audience with related to their, their existing loans or new loans or? Be happy that you probably have a pretty nice loan compared to the debt today. If you find yourself uh, in a in a in a distress situation, you know it, most distress starts out minor, you know, and that can grow from there. But if you find yourself in that situation, uh, be proactive, communicate. Um, don't 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 let your lender know the first time they hear about your problem is when they don't receive a payment. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's never a good idea. And there's there's sort of an old theory that that's the way you get your lender's attention right. is to stop paying. And I, I won't tell you that there's not some truth to that. Right. Um, but be proactive. You know, get out there, call your lender, tell them what's going on, uh, and and how you, and, and how you plan to work through this. Right. Don't look to your lender to give you the solution. Bring the solution to your lender, yeah, and get them to say, "Okay, that sounds good." Don't don't ask them, you know, put your hands up. What am I going to do? No, you need to you need to be the one that comes up with that plan. Yeah. Um, but you know, just be proactive and and uh, take a long approach to stuff. Don't don't make rash decisions on what may end up being a fairly short term situation. What if um, a listener has a uh, maturity on a loan and they they were at three percent? Now they got to pay, call it seven. Yeah. Their debt coverage ratio is such that they've got to really reduce the loan to value. Um, is really the only remedy there is bringing cash, bringing an investor. You know, uh, is there another source? There's 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 no magic bullet for that. Yeah. Um, depending on the financing you have, there may be mezzanine financing available to you possibly there are so many lenders though that that don't want mezzanine financing on top of their loans mm-hmm. uh, that may be may be available maybe a preferred equity which is which is kind of looks a little bit like mezzanine financing that might be available to try mm-hmm. to you know, to bridge that gap but um, by and large equity is what's going to solve your issues yeah um, and that's that's unfortunately that's just the reality of it you may want to think one thing, um, and it may have, it may be available, it may not be available. But if, if if you're maturing today, and you're of the belief that that this is a temporary situation, and none of us really know that at all, but if, if you kind of have that feeling that this is temporary, you may want to consider floating rate debt on something where 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 your rate today might be kind of ugly, really, but you can pay that loan off for nothing a year from now, yeah. versus closing into a, a long term permanent loan. That that more has a more favorable rate, but if you th- if you thought that, that I need to get out of this thing, you know, you're kind of locked in with a long term perm rate. So so floating rate debt may be an answer there, uh, but there there's there's no 
there's no secret formula to, to make that situation better than it is. Yeah. If you're if you've been sitting on a three three and a half percent loan and you're rolling today yeah. to a new loan, you're that's going to be a painful change yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. And your preferred equity, we have some sources for that. And, and we have an also a source for some participation loans that sure. may come sure. in and, and you give them a piece of a piece yeah. of the deal. It might yeah. be referred to as preferred yeah. equity as well. And, and, and that's also a way too, uh, if you're if you're trying to do a workout with your lender and, 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 and once again, you believe this is temporary and you're going to get out of this situation is you may trade for, uh, you know, uh, Give them a piece of a deal. Yeah, you know, if they're and, that type of lender, yes, in order to get uh, you know, some but, concessions. But some lenders may be in some listeners may be in the situation where it's not temporary. They don't have a vacancy problem or a performance problem. It's just a higher rate, a rate just problem. changes things, a rate right? So yeah. you know, either you you pay it down, I guess, or bring in equity, yeah, or or you sell the property. Since you know, to your point, deals are selling. We have yes. yeah, we have lots of uh, set independent office buildings and portfolios under contract in the, in the process of closing. So there are a lot of buyers that like to buy in these markets. So you, you don't, don't want to necessarily think your property's not sellable. Oh, no, no. Yeah. No doubt. It, 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 there's a lot of stuff that is still selling out there. There's a whole bunch of property that has been un, under bridge financing over the last two or three years where there was some kind of transition, you know, whether a renovation or retenanting whatnot. And, and, and that property, that bridge loan is now coming due. Well, that bridge loan was underwritten on the assumption that the permanent loan was coming due was going to be four. And now it might be six or six and a half. So that there, there's going to be some stress in that, clearly. What's good about that is most of the bridge lenders are not in a heavily regulated environment, which will allow them to, to work with you. Uh, no lender wants to own a whole bunch of real estate. Yeah. So that's the last thing they want, really. So if they have the opportunity to try to work with you to get us over this hump in, into what we might think is a more stable market, if that's really coming, who knows, yeah. um, then they may work with you on that. But th- th- that's clearly a segment of the market right now that, that you have to watch very carefully because a lot of those loans are coming due now and in a totally different environment than was anticipated when they were made. Yeah. And obviously, there's some very strong markets where they're so strong that people are doing uh, new developments and new construction still. Mm-hmm. Any sources out there for that? Yeah, there's still some loans to be had. Yeah. Uh, construction financing right now is is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some people trying to take advantage of that market and, and, and looking to do construction lending kind of on a more national basis. It's gen- <clears throat> That's generally a regional business. Mm-hmm. Um, the banks right now, if you're not an existing customer of a bank and you walked in there with the most well-thought-out project you could imagine, you're still going to struggle mightily to get construction. Tenant in place, everything, yes, right? Yes, yeah. uh, Banks will, in, 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 in most markets like this, banks will take care of their best customers. Maybe a little lower loan to cost than you have gotten previously, but if if you've got a a, a feasible, well thought out project, you still might get some get some help from your bank. But it's got to be your bank. Yeah. It's not a deal where you shop it around to ten different banks and find one. Yeah. This is this is where relationships mean a lot right, right. with the banks. So you got to go to 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 your bank, make your best case there. That's going to be your best shot at financing. Have a final thought for our audience as we get ready for the uh, calendar turnover to the new year? Yeah. My expectation is there's not going to be much of a change 
uh, from December to January, mm -hmm. other than the fact that you're going to see some life insurance companies come back into the market, I think, uh, in January. And, and they're actually already taking applications now for deals that will close in, in 2023. Um, but I, I expect kind of steady as she goes with the rate market. Obviously, everyone's watching the Fed. Mm -hmm. We've seen layoffs. Uh, the layoffs seem to be more geared into big tech that had kind of gotten bloated and now they're they're you know they're kind of scaling down to probably where they should have been in the first place we haven't seen layoffs on a on a large swath of companies but you know that hopefully is some indication that 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 the economy is slowing mm -hmm. down um if we get the economy to slow down enough we might get the fed to back off of this this mm -hmm. this trend they're in right now um that's kind of, I think, the salvation. It, it, it's when the Fed decides, okay, we're happy with the way things are. We don't need to mess with rates anymore. Yeah. Then then everything will kind of settle in there. And, and hopefully you'll see some stuff back off a little bit rate-wise. But it will, I mean, I mean the first... The first fix of a problem interest rate environment is to stop them from going up. Right. Going down would be nice. Right. But the first thing is to stop them from right. going up. Exactly. Um, and kind of, I think that's kind of our goal right now. Is, yeah. is, is, let's let's get let's hit the ceiling on that, and then we can see if we start whittling down from there. But we got to hit the ceiling. Perfect. Excellent. Well, great information, Tom. Thank you. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Always, always a pleasure to be here. All right. If you'd like more, uh, reach out to Tom Walsh. He is with Grandbridge, and we'll have his information at CREshow.com. Thank you for joining us around the country. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. New Happy New Year. And enjoy your holiday season. Go USA. World Cup. Oh, yeah. There, there, you, there you go. Thank you for that. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.